Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So, Jim, I've been wanting to tell you this for a while. Listen first. It wouldn't it be much better, for instance, if on How Do We Fix It, you did the listening and, and I did the speaking. You know, it's so funny. I was thinking the exact same thing myself. You what mean, if I did the all opposite. the talking? Really? Shocking. Advice to all of us. Listen first. Pierce Godwin. Pierce, is this merely being more tolerant or civil, or is this practice of listen first more radical? I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it really is more radical. That posture of coming in willing to learn with a spirit of curiosity is what will bring us to a place in which we are learning from one another and building greater connections and relationships as opposed to throwing grenades and tearing each other apart. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How How do do we we fix it? it? How do we fix it? So, Richard, it's no secret to anyone who follows this podcast that we're really interested in these divisions in our society and the perception gaps between what the two sides think of each other and how misinformed we often are about the people whose ideas we disagree with. There's a Pew poll, Jim, that says Republicans thought that 36% of Democrats were agnostic or atheist and and 38% lesbian, gay, or bisexual. And the actual numbers are 9% and 6%. Big perception gap there. Right. And in that same poll, Democrats thought that 44% of Republicans were 65 years old or older and that 44% had incomes higher than $250,000. The real numbers are 21% are over 65, and just 2% have those high incomes. So many of us are really siloed and have very little understanding of people not like us. Uh, One how-do-we-fix-it answer is the need to listen. So let's bring in Pierce Godwin, founder and CEO of the Listen First Project, a movement that began with an essay that was written during a trip to Africa. Pierce joins us via Skype from Durham, North Carolina. Welcome to How Do We Fix It? Thanks so much for having me. So why is Listen First so important right now in our divided country? Yeah, I think honestly that we are in a cultural crisis moment right now for the United States. We're seeing that there's growing, even violent division in communities 
all across America. Um, I think increasingly we're not just disagreeing. Disagreement's fine. Principles are terrific. We shouldn't all agree. We shouldn't all just sing kumbaya and compromise. But we've moved from this disagreement to distrust, dislike, even despise those who see the world differently. I think we've seen over recent years that our animosity for positions has become contempt for the people who hold them. And it's become so personal from those we're seeing as enemies across widening divides of many kinds, so many more than just political, but racial, religious, economic, educational, generational, so many more. And we're seeing in survey research that, that most of us are seeing fewer things that bind Americans together today. So that's a lot of dark and scary stuff. And indeed, 75% of Americans say this has reached a crisis level, but I'm very encouraged that another 75% say they're willing to practice conversations across divides. And 36%, which is over 100 million people, want to see a national campaign of conversations across differences. And that's precisely what Listen First Project is seeking to create and catalyze through National Conversation Project and the broader Listen First movement. How does Listen First, your group, differ from others? In 2013, when I wrote an essay over in Uganda saying simply, it's time to listen, I thought perhaps I was the only person having that particular idea at that time, but I quickly realized that there were so many other people and organizations all across America who had a similar spirit. And so my inclination was, let's see what we could do with our powers combined. So rather than creating our own particular method or format or topic, Listen First Project has really focused on how we can aggregate and amplify the efforts of so many different groups in their communities. So... Talk to us about the importance of listening. Why is listening so important? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people, unfortunately, are like me. We're very anxious to talk and to get our opinions and perspectives out there. Um, and so the idea of listening first, particularly listening first to understand, uh, really turns that on its head. I mean, it's not just about listening. It's also about the kind of attitude we're bringing into that conversation. So number one, of course, is listen first to understand, but it's also the spirit of being curious and open to learning, of suspending judgment and extending grace and maximizing the diversity of perspectives. Those are the top four principles for a listen first conversation. There are many more practical tips behind those, but I think that posture of coming in willing to learn with a spirit of curiosity is what will bring us to a place in which we're learning from one another and building greater connections and relationships as opposed to throwing grenades and tearing each other apart. That's music to our ears. But let, let's get specific. Let's say I'm somebody who's outraged by Trump and thinks he needs to be impeached. What are some skills I could use to be in a conversation with someone who might support Trump and learn something from that other than just that I think the other person on the other side is a total idiot? Absolutely. So uh, number one, I think it really is just that attitude. Are we seeing that person as purely their position, as purely their presidential preference or vote? Or are we seeing them as a human being uh, worth understanding? I think uh, one of the major problems is that increasingly we're seeing folks as enemies across these widening divides, as threats to be destroyed. But very specifically, what we recommend is allowing others the courtesy of silence while they are speaking. Maintain a calm and respectful tone when you are speaking. As we mentioned in the principles, coming with an open mind, ready to learn and grow. So, so you mean I really shouldn't interrupt Jim? 
I, I, I know wow. how difficult that will be, Richard. I know it will be nearly impossible. But yes, and I'm the poster child for what not to do myself. But exactly right. <laughs> Listening to others as somebody who comes from uh, the Bible Belt in the South, I adapted kind of uh, the golden rule here. Listen to others as you want them to listen to you. Um, and you, we see this in the business context as well. I was reading a piece just yesterday about what a powerful tool it is in a in a business meeting uh to say the fewest words of anyone because once you do that people are desperate oh man this guy's been quiet the whole time what does he think um and that it really can give you a lot more power and influence to uh to listen more and speak less our chief listening officer dr graham Bodie, talks about the 80 20 rule that ideally you are listening 80 percent of the time and talking 20 percent of the time we talk about listening to and considering others views before sharing your own, being present and curious rather than thinking of how to respond, which is probably the one I fail on most consistently. Now, Piers, you mentioned coming from the Bible Belt. You were a political operative before your current life, and you worked for Republicans. So many of the people in the civil politics space that you occupy are liberals. So, yes. so, so what do you bring to the movement? I do bring that rare perspective of someone who comes from a conservative background. Um, and that is, as you point out, something that is severely lacking in this movement. And there are plenty of reasons for that, none of which involve one uh, side of the ideological spectrum being innately better than the other. But just the way in which conservatives versus progressives are wired, the things that interest us, um, have led to quite the imbalance in this field. So I've kind of made it one of my personal missions to see how this work can better resonate and better engage with people who are conservative and even with the 40 percent of Americans who support the president. I love to remind my friends that there's no mending of the frayed fabric of America with only the 60 percent who don't support our current president. So we have to resonate across the ideological divide, across racial, religious, age, all of those spectrums. But certainly the ideological one is one in which currently we're coming up well short of engaging our conservative and Republican friends as, as much as they must be engaged for us to really impact society. You did a really interesting project. You worked with Living Room Conversations and their leader, John Blades, who we've had on, on How Do We Fix It. You brought together three liberal folks from San Francisco and three Bible Belt conservatives for a series of conversations. What did they talk about? Yeah, we we had a a few different topics. We did one around healthcare. We did one just generally using Living Room Conversations United and Divided Guide, um, just about divisions in the country, about the way in which, you know, we see things so differently and, and view one another with such disdain at times. Um, so both the problem itself, but also issues such as health care and guns. The hope there, that's a, an experience that a half dozen people had. But, but the idea is that next time any of those half dozen think about making a, a knee-jerk response or reaction to the other, they think, oh, that's made up of individuals. And last time I got to get a better understanding of those individuals. And, and so now I am I am looking at this with a bit more charity, with a bit more humility when viewing these divisions. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And we're talking with Pierce Godwin, who's founder and CEO of the Listen First Project. And we have sirens in the background. <laughs> Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. 
from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's take another issue that is really hard to talk about, which is abortion. For instance, let's say I'm a conservative and I believe that life begins at conception, that a fetus is a living being and that we have a duty as a society to make sure that child survives. How do I talk to someone who is pro-choice? Yes, some of these issues are going to prove a greater challenge. So if it's framed just as that, are we pro-life, are we pro-choice? You're not going to be able to say, oh, let's just split the difference. That just doesn't make sense for issues like abortion. But one, you can reframe it into a goal that is shared. Everybody would like to decrease unwanted pregnancies. That's something that both sides of that particular issue could likely agree on. So look for that common goal and then look for ways that despite differences on policy solutions, people can look for opportunities to together move towards the solutions and the goals that are shared. And then number yeah, two. Yeah. What, yeah. But, but what does that do, trying to look for a common goal? How do I learn something about the other that I wouldn't if I didn't frame it that way? I think you learn that, wow, I thought on this particular issue, I thought on the issue of abortion, I thought that there was absolutely no opportunity for a conversation to be had, no opportunity for us to be on the same page here. But look, as we zoomed out a little bit, wow, we're not so different. So I think it just fundamentally reshapes how we look at the people and the issue to be able to find even in the most polarized, intractable issues that if we dig a little bit, there are some common goals and some good faith intentions that folks who may look like they are diametrically opposed will actually find some common values and some common goals there. You use the word intention, and it seems that a lot of where these conversations break down is when people who are passionate about an issue don't really understand the intentions on the other side. For example, you might be very supportive of abortion and assume that anyone who's anti-abortion only has that position because they hate women and they want to control women's bodies. So what happens in these conversations where people... They may not change their position, but maybe they change their understanding of the other side. Yes, and and it can really shake us out of those simplistic paradigms that we may find in our echo chambers to think that everything is just so cut and dry because it so rarely is. And having the courage for a conversation across that difference uh, will often flesh out a lot of that complexity that makes it a lot tougher to go around with sound bites that dumb an issue down. 
Pierce, is this merely being more tolerant or civil, or is this practice of listen first more radical? I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it really is more radical. This is not just, you know, let's be nice and use uh, Southern manners. Um, This is (laughs) let me really gain an understanding of where somebody is coming from. There are a few different ways you can interpret um, and kind of extend this idea of, of listen first. You've heard me say already, listen first to understand. But that's really only one, uh, one of many ways you can look at this idea of listening first. You can also think about listen first before rejecting a conversation, before dismissing an alternative idea, before launching attacks. And another one, listen, even if we just want to be self-serving about it, I'm fine with that. If that means we're listening first to each other, listen first to more effectively advocate your position. And this is what I often share with folks who are on the front lines of activism and have a beautiful passion for a particular issue and, and say, listen, I don't have time for a conversation. I am trying to do something that is life or death, that is critical to my community. And I fervently believe and, and encourage those activists that listening first to understand is going to give you a better understanding of any resistance or passivity to your particular cause and help you more effectively understand how you can galvanize support and create better arguments for your position. So it is very much not just let's you know listen and be nice and sweet to one another. Let's gain an understanding so that we can move forward together in a more productive way for our society, and even, again, so that we can more effectively advocate what we believe are the best solutions, but in a way that welcomes people across differences to join us. What are some of the groups that you're working with? Yeah, um, you've mentioned a couple of those that, that I work with most closely, but we have so many other groups, such as Village Square, All Sides, and Heterodox Academy. I know you've had John Haidt on the program. A newer group that I'm excited about is Weave out of the Aspen Institute. David Brooks has launched Weave, the Social Fabric Project, which certainly has a lot of common DNA with our spirit of wanting to mend the frayed fabric of America. So we've been excited to work with David and his team and create with about a dozen of the Listen First Coalition organizations, create a whole new conversation guide recently called Weaver Conversations in partnership with David and others. And we're excited to debut those as part of National Week of Conversation, April 17th through 25th of 2020, and to have kind of a theme of weaving at that local relational level in our communities. Others are National Institute for Civil Discourse, the Bridge Alliance, National Coalition for Dialogue and Deliberation, Common Ground Committee, and, and Bridge USA are some that I would note as as the more active groups that are doing this work, and all in their own particular way. I'll just note that someone to tell it to, a couple of former pastors uh, in Pennsylvania um, are doing this in a, in a very intimate and personal way, just individual conversations with people who are dealing with another you know, rampant dimension of this, which is the loneliness and, and isolation and increasing suicide rates. And they are there to be those listening ears. Forget about politics. Forget about issues. That's not what they're talking about. They're talking about individual experience. And, and one more I'll mention, Urban Confessional spends time on the streets of Los Angeles and in cities around the world just holding signs that say free listening. Because how often as we move around, hustle and bustle through the streets and through our daily lives, are we actually encountering somebody who's willing to just listen to us and to have a genuine human conversation? So it's it's been a real privilege to work with so many different and diverse organizations who in their own way are wanting to encourage conversations across difference. Pierce, in that essay you wrote back in 2013 as you were traveling across Africa, 
the, the one that really started this movement for you. You wrote, yes, politics is not the central battleground between good and evil. Well, what is? Great question. Um, I think, honestly, it's much more personal than that. I think the battleground between good and evil is how we're treating one another. I'm a Christian myself, so I think about loving God, but also loving my neighbor as myself. And I think that's where we see this manifest, not to diminish politics or other critically important issues. But I think it really does come down to how we're treating one another as human beings. Whatever that opportunity for dehumanization is, the battleground is really who we are and how we address those around us. Thank you, Pierce Godwin. Pierce Godwin, listen first. That's such a great how do we fix it topic. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Two things that Pierce said that that really struck me. One is this idea that that listen first is not just merely being nice or civil. It's a practice. It's a discipline. And then the other thing he said, which I loved, was this whole concept that that if you speak less in a meeting, you can have more impact. You know, there's also something about listening that makes a lot of things work better. Yeah, I I used to do that. I'm a big talker, as you know. But in in running magazines, I often found that if I had an idea I wanted to get across, the best thing to do would be let my team discuss the issue for a little while. And sooner or later, someone would come up with the thing that I wanted to do anyway. (laughs) So, you know, you kind of wait for it to come up naturally and then say, hmm, yeah, that's, you know, what do other people think about that? And let consensus build not top down, me saying, we're going to do X, Y, Z, but let it emerge a little more organically. And I, I've been an interviewer for all of my professional career, and I've found that if I actually listen to what the person is saying rather than thinking about what my next question is going to be or looking at my list of questions, that I get a better interview, that the person is, is actually, that we, we get something more real. Right, but it's hard. You know, and I think one of the things that's been so much fun about how do we fix it in doing these joint interviews is you do have that time to reflect. You know, you're not just looking at your notes and wanting to make sure there's no dead air, you get right on to the next question. You're actually able to think about what the person just said, maybe repeat if something. You know, you notice one thing I really like to do is repeat people's words back to them. Uh, I think that can be, you know, and yeah. let them know that you heard what they said and then say, amplify on that phrase. And, and I think, but, but that requires a little bit of time and space. So the, having this co-host relationship allows more of that than if I was felt, you know, the whole burden of interviewing somebody by myself. Listen first. How do we fix it? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And our producer is Miranda Schaefer. And we are a production of Davies Content. And you have to admit, Miranda's the best listener. She is. Yes, she's by far the best listener. That's true. (laughs) Better than us. How Do We Fix It is a production of Davies Content. We make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. If you're interested in making a podcast or want to make your podcast sound better, then check us out at Davies Content. And please don't forget to download us at all the usual places where you get your podcast. Those 
good reviews and ratings really help folks. So please speak up and check out our Patreon account. We would love to expand our universe of people working in the same direction towards better conversations. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.